Hey everyone, this is Derek Bros, the Conscious Resistance Network, and I am here with a lot of amazing people. And I just want to say real quick before we introduce everybody, we're going to spend about an hour talking about why you shouldn't trust Elon Musk if you happen to. Um, I reached out to everybody here. I know that each of them has done different work talking about Elon Musk. The reason I think this is important as we're in 2023, the beginning of the year, is because there are a lot of people in our spaces and in our communities and people who follow our work who are falling for the Elon Musk deception in one way or another. So I figured we should try to get ahead of that because we've seen this happen before with Donald Trump and other people. Uh, why not try to do our best to spread factual information and maybe plant some seeds of doubts in the minds that are trusting this man. So that's why we're here today. Um, I'm Derek Bros of the Conscious Resistance. Let's go around and get to know everybody real quick before we get started. I guess I'll jump in. I am Jason Burmis. I do a morning show now, 8 to 10 a.m. Monday through Thursday. Also a documentary filmmaker. I've been talking about Musk, transhumanism, and his military-industrial complex ties, amongst other things, for some time now. Ryan, I can't hear you. You're getting it right yeah. there. <laughs> Always a classic. I'm Ryan Christian from The Last American Vagabond, uh, founder of The Last American Vagabond. Um, you know, this is such an important conversation. I'm glad we're having this. And I definitely think that, you know, all of your work here in this room has helped to guide my perception of this as well. And I think this is, you know, my big thing, I think it's just about the kind of retraining us how to engage in this journalistic practice, like through intermediaries, but obviously the great reset and everything else that this ties to and, and all the interworking pieces. I'm excited to talk about all this with you guys here today. So looking forward to it. Okay. So hi, I'm Whitney. I uh, have a website. It's unlimitedhangout.com. I also write for Ryan's site. Uh, we'll be doing more of that soon. Uh, for those that don't know, I've kind of had some time off because I wrote a long book and it broke my brain. But, you know, uh, it's working again to talk about why you should not just trust, uh, not trust uh, at all, Elon Musk, uh, but really you shouldn't trust any big tech billionaire, period. And Probably the I am theme. James Corbett of the Corbett Report. Um, but for the purposes of today's conversation, I am Johnny YouTuber. All right, let's crank <laughs> this up because this is going to be a super boring conversation because we are all on the same page. We all agree Elon Musk is as phony as a $3 bill. Don't, sorry, Elon Musk is phony as a $3 bill. Don't trust him. So I'm going to be the devil's advocate and I'm going uh. to argue for Elon Musk in this conversation. Love it. Love it. Wow. Hey, that's, okay. that's, cool. that's a wild card. I, I actually <laughs> thought about inviting somebody on here who actually does believe that, but I wasn't sure how brutal that might be. Um, one of our mutual friends out there. So we'll we'll just uh, let James stand in for him. I'm willing to bet James is going to be more objective with his faking that position than somebody who actually holds it. That's <laughs> just my opinion. So, <laughs> All right. Okay. Well, I'm going to just throw it out to you, Jason, because you have done a lot of work um, in the areas of military contracts, SpaceX. So you know, maybe we could start there and see where it goes. Yeah, I mean, all right, let's let's first start with the fact that Elon Musk is the number one defense contractor in the country right now. Now, that's on a multitude of different levels. And then he checks every single Klaus Schwabian box you can imagine. So, you know, just to run through some quick things. During the COVID-1984 nightmare, this guy increased his uh, wealth by over 600 Okay. He beat out Bezos, Gates, Buffett, Page, Bryn, and everybody else. How did he do that? 
He was sitting there talking about free speech and all this stuff. Well, number one, he was still ramping up uh, Starlink and the Blackjack program, which is the classified Starlink uh, for space warfare and other maneuvers via the military. But number two, Tesla's not a car company. Okay, it's a propped up government uh, funded organization that also prints up mRNA shots via CureVac. Also with the Optimus robot, which automation is coming. And right now, when I talk about Starlink, the highest concentration of dishes in the world is in Ukraine, where they are also hooking up to what ghost and sidewinder drones. This guy is a cookie cutout and, and was literally uh, prophesied as what the uh, man of the year as he pushed the sustainability agenda, a $15,000 trailer pod home. So I, I don't want to hog up too much space here really quickly, um, but there are even more examples of this especially when you get to human brain interfaces and Neuralink, which is DARPA tech from now 50 plus years ago. I think for me, this is one of the strongest points. Um, I'm just going to say from, uh, I'll start with specifically from a libertarian perspective, because that's a community that I've uh, associated with over the years that anybody who considers themselves a libertarian or even a conservative, let's say people who don't, who are usually argue against corporate welfare subsidies, you know, uh, people getting help from the government. Uh, it's clear that Musk's just so much of his career. There's, there's good articles out there literally listing all the different subsidies that his companies have gotten from, from the governments and obviously the military intelligence connections. I feel like just anybody hearing this who likes Elon Musk for one reason or another, that if you stand any anywhere on other grounds about standing against corporate welfare, that that should be on principle one reason not to support this person, not even getting into some of the deeper things, just on the principle of his company and their practices and their corporate welfare with the U.S. government. What do you think, Johnny YouTuber? <laughs> okay. Yeah. All right. But uh, an oft repeated libertarian argument is that, look, the government's taking your money anyway. So you should take the money from the government that you can get from them and then use it towards good things. And isn't that what Elon Musk is doing? He's sending us to space. We're going to Mars. And uh, OK, you know, there's some there's some NASA military things, but that's the ball game you got to play at that level. But he's using it for good. And let's put it this way. Yeah, brain chips. What's the libertarian position on brain chips? If you want a brain chip, should someone come in and be able to stop you from taking one? Of course not. So they should be available if you want to take one. It doesn't mean you have to take one, right? It's just he's making that option available. And how else are we going to beat the machine takeover other than by joining the machine? I mean, we have to become one with the AI consciousness in order to not be uh, swept under the rug of history. So look, you don't have to agree with me, but you can't stop him from doing what he's going to do and uh, and saving free speech while he's at it. Hmm. Let me just jump in on one point and then people can deconstruct some other ones. This idea that you should just take government money and that you're using it for good is laughable. Once you have this fascistic, outwardly fascistic partnership and you're working with the Defense Department, the Defense Department has no, no reason, no legal liability to tell you or anybody else the truth. And when you are working with weapon systems, you are using money not to empower, but enslave humanity, especially when we're talking about autonomous drone warfare. 
So that's absolutely ridiculous. By the way, we're not going to Mars. I have the chief scientist at NASA uh, repeating on uh, multiple occasions, the first things that will supposedly go to Mars are going to be nanobots that then survey the area. They will bring that information back. They will build a virtual world and you will be able to visit it, Johnny YouTuber, in this virtual era that they create. So I'm sorry, uh, that is incorrect, sir. Hmm. Well, I'll, on top of that, I think, so the, the World Economic Forum overlap and the Great Reset direction with Elon Musk and all the things, everyone's seen the videos and the comparisons, they're all fantastic points and it's very relevant. But it always comes down to choice for me, right? As, as Johnny YouTube is pointing out, well, shouldn't people have a right to, to make these choices for themselves? And that's kind of what Jason's touching on is that obviously that's not really the premise here. They're already arguing that this is a moral obligation, that we have to do this. Otherwise, we're you're killing grandma or whatever narrative we're sticking into this. Oops. And, and I think that's the important part of this is clearly it's about them. It, this, is, this is an idea being forced upon the people. So those things obviously don't connect. But the bigger thing to me is obviously there are people that, as YouTube guy is pointing out, that there are people that would want this direction. But the, the issue is how all of the people right now, in my mind, the biggest current problem that are pushing back against this, largely, I would argue, in the two left-right paradigm, the right side of the argument, are right now being manipulated with Twitter, Twitter files, Elon Musk, and the whole thing in order to get them, and I, I argue, to go in line with this new direction. And this is the something Sam Hussein and I had a conversation about, that he ultimately calls Trump the opposable thumb of the establishment. Not necessarily because Trump's aware that he's being used, but rather that Trump's actions, especially even if he especially if he doesn't know, are being used in to drive people into it. For instance, saying we shouldn't be funding NATO and now we're funding NATO more than ever in a general sense. And so this is where we see and we discuss this. And I agree. Elon Musk playing a role in this same way, stepping in as the new Trump 2.0 concept in Twitter. And all these people are kind of rushing in behind it and seeing him as this new savior figure, whether it's just journalism, which is like the current obvious point that's being discussed or whatever comes next, because I think we're being trained in a very alarming way to take at face value what's being presented. And I think I think, again, the biggest point is where this all goes. The Great Reset, the overlap, the transhumanism. Right. That's where I want to get into when we get there, the Neuralink overlap with the injection research and going all the way back to Charles Lieber and all this stuff that seems to be going in a very alarming direction. There's a lot in that point there, but I think it all comes back to how the illusion of Elon Musk is being used to let all of this happen without people really pushing back against it. At least that's how I see it. Um, if I may chime in, I would like to um, put forth a, a theory. It's just a theory. Uh, but I think Elon Musk was sort of chosen uh, long before the Twitter takeover to be sort of a personal savior uh, figure to at least a segment of of the population. And I think you can see this in his connection to the Iron Man movies. And I personally have never seen them because I don't really watch new movies. But um, I, I think actually uh, not Johnny YouTuber, but James Corbett did a uh, piece on uh, Elon Musk. Right. And then there he he gets into some of this. Um, talking about how Robert Downey Jr. as part of that movie modeled his character after Tony Stark or sorry modeled uh, Tony Stark after Elon Musk and this was made more explicit with his cameo and like the second movie and whatnot but so Musk is a Pentagon contractor right and was at this time and then the Pentagon had significant contracts with the Iron Man movies 
like in totaling in the millions of dollars, I think it's very possible that there was some sort of effort here to have, you know, like Jason pointed out, the number one uh, defense contractor be seen as like the guy that's going to save us all. Um, or as like, a, you know, a, a trustworthy figure that's, you know, doing all this innovative upstarting, um, you know, uh, game-changing technology we should trust him because he's like a superhero right and that idea of a personal savior i would argue is super culturally ingrained in americans and you know it's beyond the united states as well and that hollywood is a longtime driver of this stuff uh the military the cia all of these organizations uh, interface very intimately with Hollywood as a, a means of propagandizing the population. And uh, why wouldn't they use Iron Man like that? And why would they want this Musk uh, Iron Man connection and to place like Tesla's and the movies and all of this stuff if they didn't want certain people watching that stuff uh, to associate Elon Musk with this cool superhero scientist guy that's doing all this cool stuff. And he's going to, he's looking, he's saving the world. Avengers guys. Yeah, no, I, I, that guy's a schmuck. Uh, <laughs> as someone sent uh, that uh, that Elon Musk technocratic huckster episode to John Bush and on Facebook, he said something like, "There's nothing new in here, or nothing I haven't heard before." Therefore, it is just nonsense. Who cares? Whatever. Yeah, Iron Man, Iron Man. That was that was a decade ago. Uh, none of that really matters. The point is, Elon Musk is the cool billionaire. He knows how to troll people on Twitter. And he is saving free speech. I mean, have you guys been reading the Twitter files? Come on. So let me jump in here again. Uh, have to. I'm sorry, Johnny YouTuber. But you're talking about how this guy is saving free speech. Well, anybody who's following along, even with the regular narrative on all of social media, they weren't making it a secret. They had teamed up with what authoritative sources and the World Health Organization that what? doesn't have our best interests at heart. Number two, we still have no WikiLeaks type dump of any of the information that is out there that although is good, is extremely limited in its scope with names like Dan Bongino and Charlie Kirk that literally have millions of dollars behind their brand and product. And that's not to even come on, come down on them because at least Kirk is talking about transhumanism. and um, But at the same time, lauding Musk. Uh, you have to let them do something that is already obvious. And let me say this. These are Trojan horse civilian systems that have a plausible uh, deniability circle in what they do. So Twitter still is openly employing former CIA, NSA, and FBI at the highest levels. Uh, we have still not seen the algorithm. Narrative management is absolutely still a thing there. Uh, and we should see all the documents since its inception and them working with the Department of Defense. And, and I want Johnny YouTuber to understand NASA is a part of that Defense Department. And, and to kind of get into where I want to go and I, and I want to ask Ryan about this, the aspect of these mRNA shots, again, that were scaled up by Tesla, supposedly this guy's company. And he's got so many. You talked about it, Johnny YouTuber. He's got time to tweet all day and he's running. Tesla. He's running the boring company. He's running SpaceX. It's magic. I mean, how's he doing all this? Well, the bio nano era, according to the chief scientist at NASA from a future strategic warfare document, okay, right here, 
supposedly they knew in 2001, this is pre 9-11 in July, that that bio nano era would happen in 2020. No matter what you think about the shots, how they're the best thing since breakfast or the bioweapon uh, come home to roost from DARPA itself, billions of people took them in 2020. The next deal is the virtual era that I'm talking about. And the World Economic Forum, Davos, has essentially partnered with the metaverse. Uh, last year, they had two forums on it alone. And it is the new global push because, Johnny, we're not going to Mars, but you might think you will if you take a brain chip. Let me add one one thing in real quick. Uh, a great conversation here. I, I popped on screen a moment ago. I'll show it again. This article, I'll put this in the, the description. If anybody needs to learn more about what Whitney was talking about, the relationship between the Marvel movies and the military, Pentagon. And yeah, I mean, this is a, a regular kind of relationship. In fact, I cover this in uh, The Pyramid of Power. For anybody who hasn't seen it, thepyramidofpower.net. Chapter four is all about the Hollywood military intelligence complex. And this has been going on for, for some time. So I would ask you, Johnny YouTuber, to really, you know, when you're watching those Marvel movies and you're feeling so great about Elon being there and he's here to save the day to recognize the relationship that uh, everyone here is pointing out to um where should we go next what do you got what, what what's your other what's your other reasons for liking musk johnny youtuber uh is it his um, entrepreneurial spirit he's uh single-handedly contributing to the underpopulation character. problem um <laughs> Well, you know what? Let's let me let me briefly hit that. I'm sorry, I, contributing I, to fighting the underpopulation problem. Sorry, I got you that. You know, he's got a lot of kids apparently, and some we might not even know about. And he's one of the few people out there that openly discusses the idea that overpopulation is a myth. He's uh, given the bowling uh, ball reference, right? He's also he's right about that. You can't deny it. I, I won't deny it. And there's yes. another guy that says the same thing, and it's Ray Kurzweil. Kurzweil says that. We've only used nine or a uh, 95% of land has not been used. And that basically by 2030 renewables, solar in particular, harnessing only one ten thousandth of that will be able to distribute the populace wide, give us all the energy we need and use the quote unquote metaverse and virtual universe to our advantage. He says that overpopulation is a myth. Everybody else does it. That's employing Musk, including the people at NASA in this document that actually talk about world population stabilization, the author of which I have in 2011 talking about uh, population control that changes everything. It's also in this document. Uh, they also talk about taking hold of the genetics, the genomic code of the human species and directing it in any way they want to. And when I say they, again, this is NASA. It's the good people at a space agency, supposedly. Uh, however, when you look who else is involved in this document, uh, Musk has kind of echoed the same thing. When you start augmenting human beings with supposed AI hookups, who's writing the AI? Garbage in, garbage out. I would encourage people to go check out the limits of growth by the Club of Rome. No matter what data they put in, it was population collapse. But they still want to invoke this idea that we're destroying the planet. NASA very much behind that as well. And, and that's the excuse to bring us in from the bio nano era that they've started injecting people and normalizing mRNA. Let's not forget, Moderna had no pro products at all. They partnered with DARPA in 2013, okay? In 2016, they patented a drug that has a 12-sequence DNA nucleotide um, identical to the virus. And then their one product, their one product on the market 
is the COVID mRNA shots, which is CRISPR-Tech. All right. And on top of that, the one that uh, their CEO is now promoting is one for heart attacks. You can have a heart attack. Then they're going to just directly inject the mRNA into your heart. How convenient. And it's hilarious because the guy interviewing them uh, points out that, boy, that's great that you made that possible. You didn't have any products on the market. And the only one that's driving that financially is your COVID vaccine. And I have to sit in la-la land and act like that's a good thing, Johnny YouTuber. I think there might be a little bit more than a coincidence there when you're talking about billions of dollars and the Defense Department. Sort of like Narcan and the opioid crisis. This is something we've seen before. You know, it's a let's let's a jump to the AI, the transhumanism thing you want to talk about, Ryan. I know you wanted to get some, and I want to get Johnny YouTuber's opinion on this because I yeah. wrote an article recently for T Lab about the Neuralink presentation that Musk gave, and they showed the whole fake brain getting the. 64 mm -hmm. threads in the brain and all this stuff. And uh, what the main reason I wrote that article is because anyone who talks about it, they just hear it's going to help blind people see, it's going to help paraplegics. But when you actually listen to what Musk said in that presentation, he said what he said before, which is that we're, we need to deal with AI rising up and you know maybe seeing us as useless. And the best way mm -hmm. to do this is to merge with it. He said something to affect that night. Uh, the best case scenario is that we get a benevolent AI and then at some point we merge with it and we go along for the ride to see where it's at. Right. So his vision is very much like Jason's pointing out, merging with the AI, you know, transhumanism vision. And again, I do believe people have bodily autonomy and the, the right to do so if they want, but I don't think they really know what they're buying into. I'd like to hear from Johnny YouTuber first. And then Ryan, I know you got some to add to this. Mm -hmm. Well, first let me set, set the record straight on this vaccine stuff because i don't know what planet you're living on but the planet i'm living on planet youtube i know that musk uh has spoken out against the lockdowns and the covid uh covid restrictions and everything since the beginning since march of 2020 when he was saying that the coronavirus panic is is dumb or whatever he called it at the time and i know that in september of 2020 he said that his family wouldn't get vaccinated uh, because they weren't at risk of COVID. So there's that. Um, now, I know in December 2021, apparently he did say that he and his children had been vaccinated, but he had to say that because he was getting bad press at the time. So don't don't think too deeply on that. Um, as to the, uh, the, the machine upgrade interface, I mean, what's the alternative? Are you just going to sit there while everyone else is getting shipped? And what's that going to make you uh, 10 years from now, 20 years from now, you're going to be so outdated. You're going to be left behind. The robots are going to finish the job and to just take care of the uh, non-upgraded humans. So I think got to got to join them to beat them. Hmm. Well, obviously, choice is the main point. I, you know, I, you can't really argue against somebody saying we should have a choice to be able to take that route. Again, the point is that this is something that's being thrust upon the population without, you know, under a guise that it's the right thing to do. But the, the problem, the big issue for me, and I do want to make sure we get back to the Twitter files, at least at one point, because I wanted to talk about that, but the, the very alarming overlap here, and this, this ties in with everything we've just talked about, the, the brain machine interface, the mRNA injections, how all of this ties back and the uh, alarming overlapping research to going back to Charles Lieber, when he, in 2011, discovered the lipid nanoparticle acts, the way to encapsulate these things in lipid, fatty lipids and, and able to inject them into cells and ultimately making virus-sized transistors all the way back then. And then that very research being connected with the concept of finding ways to, you know, give amputees the ability to move arms again or, you know, Parkinson's disease and all the same stuff we're hearing from the Neuralink overlap, except the, the research there was the same stuff we're now acting like was the saving grace for the mRNA injections. 
interestingly enough, on a side point, was the same thing they continue to do, increasing lipid nanoparticles in the past, which is why they continue to fail. Nobody explains why doing the same thing today suddenly succeeded. But my concern is how these things overlap with the idea of right now what we're pushing with the brain-machine interface and the lipid nanoparticles, the, the nanotechnology within these, and the big open question on top of all of that about whether or not there are other things in these injections that we don't know about. Now, I was very resistant to this in the beginning. I guess not resistant, but very skeptical. And I think we've continued to see more and more high-level, very credible people begin to poke at this. Doctors, scientists, research groups saying, we're finding things in this that we can't explain, whether that's graphene oxide or something else. I don't know. But the point is that we do have research going back as far as you want to look, as far as they've been researching this kind of technology, saying that graphene oxide vaccination was the future. That's just one part of it. My point is that nanotechnology, the connection to the injections, the connection to what they're doing with the mRNA, with the brain machine interface, and every direction that Elon Musk is taking this, it's impossible for me not to think that there's an overlap with the agenda and how that's being driven. And then again, with the guise of Musk being in this position, and as Whitney pointed out, prepping this for a long time before this, and kind of lulling people into a position where we accept that if it's coming from Musk and his associated companies, then it can't be bad because he's on the right or whatever the argument becomes. Now, there's a lot of unknowns in that big discussion there. But I think the problem is very obviously that, one, the mRNA injections are clearly failing. I mean, obviously in a catastrophic way and hurting people. And I wonder, and this is actually something Whitney and I have talked about a couple of times, whether this in part was itself a test to try to achieve something, whether that's to suss out how this works properly or maybe execute some kind of an experiment to find out how these things, you know, map out the human brain, meshing things. I mean, we've talked about the reaching the singularity. There's a lot of possibilities to flesh out and there's scientific research to back up these exact directions. And then I guess the final point to add to that would be them routinely discussing between about 2017 or even before that, up until right before this started, what they call moral bioenhancement from a compulsory level, forcing people to do this because they've decided it's the right thing to do without you knowing about it. So, I mean, all those pieces together, it's kind of hard to doubt that this could be something much more alarming than it looks like. Okay, so the thing I have to say about Neuralink is the following. Um, so according to Neuralink itself, eight out of their 23 monkeys died after getting the brain chip. Yeah. If you believe this other watchdog group, it was 15 out of 23, whoever you want to believe. Um, if any product like device, medical device is seeking FDA approval um, and in your animal trials, eight out of 23 die, are you going to send that to human trials? If 15 out of 23 die, are you going to send that to human trials? Probably not. But because of what's happened, over the course of the COVID crisis, we've, you know, seen a, a total gutting of any sort of illusion of, of government, you know, regulatory stuff for products, particularly medical products. It's the FDA that also approves medical devices. And what do you know? The current head of the FDA is Robert Califf, a former Google health executive, who's all about approving all of this transhumanist medicine where you're basically seeing big tech and big pharma uh, merge with each other. And that's essentially um, what I think we're seeing here. So it seems like it's going to get uh, greenlit. And there, uh, this 2016 act, uh, the Cures Act, removed informed consent uh, from medical device uh, approval processes, uh, technically for things that have a minimal safety impact. But I mean, you know, they're so corrupt, they could argue that even though, you know, 15 or 8 
out of the <laughs> 23 mice died, you know. I just think that's a really high number. Would you want to sign up for a medical trial uh, where your chance of dying is that high? Or would you send that to the next thing? Is that what, like, you know, uh, a super uh, benevolent uh, billionaire like Elon Musk would do? Just to make the blind see, even though there's a bazillion videos of him being, like, talking about commercialization of that and how it's... Uh... Okay, guys. Come on. Look. I know you guys don't spend all day on YouTube like I do. But the latest YouTube challenge is called the Shallow Water Challenge. And it involves diving into a pool filled with six inches of water. Uh, my grandma tried it recently, and she's now a paraplegic. So uh, she's she can't type. And she's trying to text me all day, but she can't type. So Elon Musk is going to help my paraplegic grandma type again. And you guys want to come in and stop that from happening? All right. So, so let me break For in. Shame. <laughs> all right. Because the first thing that I'm going to tell you is number one, this idea that we're going to get left behind. There are plenty of human brain interfaces that are already available and being utilized by the military that are just wearables. So for instance, you have now swarm drones of these small drones that are semi-autonomous, but are literally being guided by a soldier's thoughts. If you want to see where the technology is and where they want to take it, um, there is a great uh, RAND piece that they have out there, brain-computer interfaces, U.S. military applications and implications, and this looks to uh, 2040 in the future. Right now, you know, we talked about NASA. Uh, according to Dennis Bushnell, same guy behind the document, same guy who's the chief scientist right now, same guy who's been around since the Gemini days and has a slew of patents, uh, he says in 2018 there are 200,000 people already with the brain chip, not the Neuralink brand. Uh, you can read about one of them here that isn't using it to walk again, okay, isn't helping grandma. No, it's just helping depression. And by the way, there's a new one out today I covered on my show. You can tell that she's uh, over her depression because she's alone in a garden, heavily obese with a mask on her face. It's obviously work. Uh, I think the main thing, that we have to realize when we're talking about transhumanism, it is two different things. And going back to what Ryan said, the possibility of different things being uh, in the shots. Okay. First of all, we have a multitude of batches. We have a multitude of types of shots. You have the MRNA, which was Moderna, but you also had the vector-based shots that were out there. And you also had those trials. Remember, they were warning about possible false uh, HIV um, in Forbes, you think that I'm making that up. It was literally a mainstream article. And then it happened. And those were with the non-mRNA. So they're, you know, outwardly, there are different things in the shots. But they, again, when I say they, the Defense Department doesn't have to tell you anything. The Defense Department is allowed to lie. It's called classification. Okay. And this is the partnership that they made, it's called Adept Protect. I'm glad to see people like Peter McCullough finally talking about this. Uh, but it was against contagions that they would identify, and then they would produce an mRNA spike protein within two or three days, right? Very quickly, whether it's a, a bio attack, by the way, it says uh, diseases that are engineered biological weapons, weird. And then you print up the mRNA, which Musk did, you know, because he's the best. He, he scaled that up for Tesla, but there's a lot of partners and strategic collaborators when it comes to mRNA. Good people at AstraZeneca, you might've heard about them. Merck, Vertex, BARDA, there's DARPA, the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation, uh, the Karolinka Institute and the Institute Pasteur, all great people. 
once you start taking this on and you work with them, there is a classification process. And as we saw with MK Ultra, what universities and private uh, private pharmaceutical uh, companies worked hand in hand with them, and we still don't know a multitude about that. So. You know, I think it's here. We're in the bio nano era. They are running experiments, but transhumanism, guys, it's two different things to them. Okay. So there's there's the transhumanism they want for us that they run the experiments on, right? Because biologically, they think they're going to live forever. People like Jared Kushner have openly talked about it. And in fact, I would argue that people like Martin Rothblatt, uh, for those unfamiliar, this is the person who wrote the book From Transgender to Transhuman. And in the very beginning, talks about billions of sexes. Guys, LGBTQ plus has a long way to go, I promise you. Uh, this person wrote the book, Unzip Genes, in 97. And in this, it advocates for no more nuclear family, no more natural birth. They're taking hold of genetics. And if you want to have a kid, yeah. Also the head of United Therapeutics that's doing xenotransplantation and printing up organs. So they want to biologically live forever. The rest of us get the brain chips and the virtual universe and eventually the idea as we create entities that are very human-like, okay? The singularity, the age of spiritual machines. You're dumb enough to upload your consciousness to this virtual universe, aka you don't have a soul. That's not a real thing. There is no God. You, you're another number. That's it. That's what this all is. And I'm not a part of that. You know, I know I, I went on a little rant here, Johnny, YouTube, but I'm team humanity. You, you wigged out conspiracy theorists. You're always talking <laughs> about the end of the world robots and stuff. We're here to talk about the Twitter files. What's going on? Come on. Real quick before we get past it, uh, Jason and I had a really great conversation about that exact point. I don't know if we're going to get into it today, but it's an, an important conversation about whether or not the trans Overrepresentation is really about normalizing the next logical step of transhumanism. I, you know, I, it's an important conversation because I think overlap is impossible to miss. And I think one of the main points is that you only have a small fraction of the population that's representing a a very large portion of policy. And there's something to that, I think. And you know, then we got the fourth industrial revolution and merging bio. You know, everything they're talking about, like it well, seems to be that exact direction. Let me jump in just really quick on that because you know we can't marginalized that the person that wrote that book okay you can get all these on amazon by the way from transgender to trans a manifesto on the freedom of form okay this is again the uh virtually human person and unzipped genes you know who writes a forward to virtually human that is of course ray kurzweil ray kurzweil heads up the immortality division at google all right again Google and the Defense Department, they're the same thing. They work with NASA on quantum computing. That's AI. And then they work on immortality with Ray Kurzweil. So Martin Rothblatt, hands down, is the richest, most powerful transhumanist, a.k.a. transgender person on the planet. There is not another. This is a multi-billionaire that headed up Sirius XM and wrote a lot, a lot of the lawfare regarding satellites. So when the most powerful transgender person on the planet is writing these books and founding these companies and actually doing it, I don't know. I'm paying attention. I'm, I'm connecting the dots. I'm not Columbo, guys. I'll admit it. He's probably better. But give me a break. Well, Ryan, take the oh, go, ahead. go ahead. Go ahead, Winnie. 
Well, I was just going to say to take the conversation back to Elon Musk about transhumanism, I would like to point out that a lot of his narrative, I'm not sure if it came from here, but it's the same narrative and he funds them. So at Oxford, there's the Future of Humanity Institute funded by Musk. And they're, the people that run that are the ones that have argued since, uh, I guess, the you know 2007 or so that we have to merge with AI to beat AI. Like it's, you know, inevitable, the inevitability um, reasoning, uh, behind this, but, um, uh, I forgot the other thing I was going to say. Oh no. Yeah. So the future of humanity Institute shares an office with, uh, the, um, the philanthropy, the effective altruism group that was, uh, basically running Sam Bankman fried and FTX. Hmm. So, uh, and then you have the weird overlap there with how the center for effective altruism also basically, was very involved with uh, the financing of event 201 through the open philanthropy group and Dustin Muscovitz, uh, Facebook co-founder. This is basically a mafia of big tech people who are obsessed with this and want to take it there, whether they, they like it or not. Um, so for example, uh, let's talk about Elon Musk and Epstein a little bit since he's another transhumanist, right? But it's also relevant to this big tech idea. Uh, Elon Musk is the guy that allegedly was introducing Jeffrey Epstein to Mark Zuckerberg at these Edge meetings. Edge it was John Brockman, the publisher's uh, you know, meeting of uh, imp important minds in science and culture that was basically a front for Epstein. He was basically... Uh, solely financing it for a long portion of its existence once it started hosting something called the Billionaire's Dinner, uh, which had the founders of uh, Amazon, Google, Elon Musk, of course, being Tesla, SpaceX, and all these other companies. And um, they're all, you know, hanging around together. And Elon Musk and his, it's worth talking about his brother for a little bit uh, as well. So his brother ended up dating a woman in Epstein's entourage one of epstein's girlfriends and this led to epstein getting a tour of spacex in like 2012 so kimball musk is on the board of spacex and of tesla he's also a uh, young social entrepreneur for the schwab foundation uh, the schwab foundation being the foundation of klaus schwab uh, of the world economic forum and uh, apparently potentially blackmailed by epstein to some extent uh, no one likes to talk about Kimball Musk for some reason, but he's um, definitely uh, worth looking at when you consider this, uh, you know, oh, I'm Elon Musk and I'm introducing Jeffrey Epstein to Mark Zuckerberg stuff. And then you also have, um, as I noted in my book, one of the major suppliers to Tesla is a company called LS Power, which has direct links to Asa Properties, which is the... the um, I guess, realty company that manages, that's run by Jeffrey's uh, Epstein's brother, Mark Epstein, and owned the apartments where a lot of the sex trafficking activities in New York City were ongoing. So, um, you know, there's some odd ties there that speak to intelligence ties here. And one of the main drivers for most of the past 20 years and arguably much earlier um, of a lot of this, these technologies that are leading to transhumanism, it is the military intelligence industrial uh, complex a hundred percent. And, you know, speaking again to this, you know, specter of intelligence ties, I would say is the Starlink stuff. So somehow Starlink against the will of the Iranian government became active in Iran. So what does that mean? 
that means that and Elon Musk promoted this, by the way, that it was in there. So that got in by one of two means. It was smuggled in either by U.S. or Israeli intelligence. Uh, and so a Musk is an accessory to that. You know, so it's there. there's some interesting stuff going on there. Is that the guy you want making the chip uh, that goes in your brain? And then again, to bring this back to um, what I mentioned uh, earlier about him sort of being a construct. If you think about him just being a billionaire in general, most of his companies wouldn't exist without massive government subsidies. I mean, he's a guy basically created by the money from that complex. And then he's swimming around with a lot of these people there and has a lot of the same ideas. And maybe he can have that same time type of, um, I guess let's call it a social bond that Trump had with his supporters because he's like, look how funny Trump is because he made fun of Jeb Bush and Marco Rubio on TV. I mean, yeah, that's cool because they both suck, but that doesn't mean like Trump's policies are going to be great. Right. It's entertaining. It's a circus. And so like Elon Musk can, can do all of that. But I think again, he was primed for this personal savior role. He was primed to be a billionaire and do all these other things. And like I uh, said on a recent podcast, um, it seems to me that a lot of the Twitter file stuff is very similar to what happened with uh, a few years ago with Pierre Omidyar in The Intercept, which effectively laundered uh, Pierre Omidyar's intelligence-linked reputation and sort of recast him of, of this guy that's going to protect adversarial journalism. And then The Intercept uh, basically becomes a honeypot for whistleblowers and sends three of them to prison, uh, even though it was supposedly, you know, founded to establish the Snowden links and then doesn't publish 90% of the Snowden links and blah, blah, blah. Uh, but it sure made Pierre Omidyar look good. And same thing with Elon Musk in the Twitter files. Right. Uh, but like Jason said, he's still employing a lot of these same intelligence guys. He has his own intelligence connections and he is using Twitter to feed the AI. And he also uh, is a co-founder of OpenAI, which has just put out this chat GPT thing where people are interacting with AI more than ever, you know, the brain chip is the next step, but we're already th through this viralization of things like chat GPT. We are interacting so much with AI. It's learning from us, but it's also manipulating us. The more people that come to rely on that, like kids at school is becoming a controversy with that particular thing that feed questions into it and like use it for their homework and all that stuff. They're reading these ideas put out by this AI and it's basically over time can be used to manipulate their thoughts and persuade them. Who is this being programmed by? And is AI starting to modify us before we've even merged with it? Uh, yeah, I think it's getting to that point because think about how, you know, over time as these convenient technologies over the past hundred or something years have emerged, humans become in increasingly unable of doing that thing. Before calculators, more people did mental math. Now there's a calculator uh, and you never do that kind of math in your head or on paper anymore, right? And it's harder for you to do it. Well, what happens when the AI starts to speak for us because it knows us so well? Why do you think Elon Musk acquired Twitter um, and, you know, has stuff in open AI and he's, you know, we have to merge with benevolent AI. He's going to create it. And if you think about this whole idea of data as the new oil, whoever becomes the owner of the most data is going to be the guy that's on top. He's going to be the Rockefeller of the data era as opposed to the oil era, right? And that's exactly yeah. what Elon Musk is setting himself up for 100%. And that's part of why he, when he bought Twitter, he's like, this is going to be the everything app. Uh, like WeChat is in China. And what do you know? The parent company of WeChat is a major uh, investor in Tesla and one of their most active shareholders. And he's like, yeah, I'm going to turn it into WeChat. 
if, and the if national I, security state, by the way, wants to merge with China's national security state. And I said so in 2019. So, you know, fantastic. US, we chat, China, we chat. It's going to take nope. over your brain. That's what they want. Anyway, sorry. I'll stop. Just, if I could add just one follow up point, since Whitney, I mean, that was such a, that was so important what you just outlined there, Whitney. And I, I think it's, it was kind of long. Sorry. No, just, no, it's ugh. so very important. Eric, if I could share this, it, there, there, what I have pulled up here. So just, this is just to make it more clear what I was saying, because it kind of was hollow without what she was talking about in the bigger picture, is to realize that what she just described there it overlaps with Charles Lieber's research, which is the basis for the mRNA injections. So picture, think about what she just said there and how all this is overlapping and driving us in the same direction. And just to make it all the more clear, this is from 2019 talking about the coming brain and machine interface. And it simply says at this 2016, the conference, he says he, humans risk being treated like house pets. And by AI machines, what we we're already talking about. If it wasn't, if this wasn't built, he says, "quote I love that the idea of being a house cat, but not, but what's the solution?" Blah blah blah. The point is, it talks about effectively merging with AI, and then it references in the old the article Nature, literally a quote from Charles Lieber and the research he did, which is the the basis for the lipid nanoparticle injection concept with the mRNA. And it says we're trying to blur the distinction between electronic circuits and new neural circuits. Said Harvard research, another overlap, by the way, with Epstein. Charles Lieber, who co-authored the study. We have to walk before we can run, but we think we can really revolutionize our ability to interface with the brain. And finally, technological developments mean that we are on a path to a world in which it will be possible to decode people's mental processes and directly manipulate the brain mechanisms underlying their intentions, emotions, and decision. That sounds fantastic, right? And then obviously this was just what I was referencing before in 2011, literally building machines that operate like biological things because they're so small. Okay, that's, that point showing ultimately that this is a very obvious overlap to the brain machine interface, the whole agenda, all of it. And I just don't think, I think that's so relevant to the fact that we're being played, which we can bring back to Twitter files if you want to, how this is right now affecting people's mindset. And I'm so interested by the way, the fact you brought up the AI chatbot. I had, I, I haven't done a lot of research on that, but I, it's so interesting to see how that the AI, right AI chatbot, it's all going viral so that you use it. Right. And people were like, oh, yeah, I got to check this out. It probably never exactly. even went viral when they first reported that. Oh. They just want to like herd people in. It's probably like, all manufactured. Data to it. Yeah. The last thing just I like I, I think the art AI, AI, too. Go ahead. Go ahead, Ryan. Go ahead. Yeah. Yeah. I, I was just going to say, no, I just. Part. Sorry, go ahead. <laughs> We've got about 10 or 15 minutes left, and I want to respect everybody's time here. Uh, I do. Real, real quick, Jake. Real quick, because we get, just got like 10, 15 minutes left here. And. I want us to try to convince Johnny YouTuber a little more. All and right, well, with I, would, I know we want to get to the Twitter files. I want to mention the YGL. But I'll, yeah, go ahead and go mention what you want. But let's make sure we have time for Twitter files. And I want to mention the Young Global Leaders. I just want to say, when we talk about who programs the AI, if anybody saw the Omeka Christmas message, it's garbage in, garbage out. It's not really AI. It's scripted. But then when you talk about injectables, it already has a name. Okay, this is that human brain interface document I showed you from Rand. Another DARPA program, the next gen non-surgical neurotechnology. These are the injectables. It says that it can use transcranial magnet magnetic stimulation to control uh, soldiers through waves. It, this is not science fiction. So I just want to reiterate that, you know, the human brain interfaces that Musk is providing right now or putting out there that's just the consumer product. A lot of these technologies are already well beyond that. And when we talk about these programs, you know, you talked about his partnership partnership via uh, the Defense Department. 
you know, they started weaponizing space in the early 80s. And it's Lockheed Martin that they partnered with. And that's why Musk is so rich. This is a DARPA program. They have a ride along program. Anybody can look into the Mandrake satellites. But then they also use uh, Musk via SpaceX to move military cargo anywhere in the world within an hour. And whatever that military cargo is, you would imagine in many cases, it's either web, if not all, are weapons and communications systems. And what do weapons and communication systems do, Johnny YouTuber, in times of war? They kill people. Anything to say about that, Johnny YouTuber? Oh, oh okay. Uh, guys, baseline, let's be real. This technology is coming. In fact, it's a lot of it's already here. Uh, and you ain't going to stop that just by wishing it away. So we need a good guy on the inside pushing against these elites. And look at the people who are lining up against Musk now. Look, in addition to YouTube, of course, I also check the front page of Reddit every day. And boy, do those Redditors hate Musk right now. Man, he is owning the libs just like Trump owned the libs. And he's going to change the world and bring down the elite just like Trump is going to change the world and bring down the elite. <laughs> just to point out that you're also going to get flavors of brain chips. Bezos and Gates are backing Synchron. They're promising the same thing as Musk. They're going to, you know, make you not paralyzed. And by the way, I watched the presentation. It was laughable. Basically, you had the brain chip and then you had a chip in the spinal cord of a pig. And it's really not much different than those experiments that were going on via MK Ultra and Delgado and the electrodes that he had in a bowl. In other words, they were able to st stimulate neurons, but I wasn't impressed with it. And, and that's the other thing. I think that uh, Johnny uh, YouTuber's alter ego has often pointed this out. There's a lot of promises, almost over-promising, and we've seen that generationally. What's really being delivered here? Uh, is it really going to Tesla bot? Come on, it went like this <laughs> very awkwardly. <laughs> you weren't impressed by the Tesla bot that took billions. No, of dollars I was impressed by Johnny YouTuber. The promise of human beings be, being able to do whatever they want and have whatever they want. That was the main takeaway. That was the quote of the day from Musk when he was showing you an unnecessary humanoid robot. Okay, that's powered by what? The same software that Tesla uh, self-driving cars are. Okay, and whoever programs that AI, it's not going to be- By the way, if you haven't seen that eight-car pileup that the Tesla caused recently, uh, you should check was, it out. Was that the one last week or the one before that? Or the 13 before that? Yeah, sorry, keep going. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I'm not making that up. By every other week, we see a Tesla crash. Go ahead. <laughs> hey, well, let's, Ryan, let's jump into the Twitter files since we're low on time. Let's see, and we can start with you and whoever else wants to add in. Can you- convince johnny youtuber out there why the twitter files don't you know automatically prove that musk is on our side well you know i think what's important to point out is that i mean is that what's happening right now is completely undefined it hasn't been fleshed out yet so if you're um, if your mindset is that this person is saving free speech then how then ultimately you don't understand that you haven't seen the full picture yet and you don't understand that multiple people have yet to be reinstated and multiple people that he promised would be have not been let back on. And many people have been censored since then, both conservative and, and Democrat or whatever, liberal. The, the point is that it's not being it's not he hasn't 
fulfilled literally any of the promises he said he was going to do when he brought this on. The, as Jason pointed out, where the algorithm has not been released, we haven't seen the source material. We have even the basis of letting people back on who were uh, censored under the ridiculous COVID-19 misinformation policy hasn't actually happened. I know numerous people that still haven't been let back on. All that being said, which is should be enough, by the way, to make clear that at the very least, he hasn't fulfilled what he said he was going to do, that what's happening right now with the Twitter files is a really dangerous, it's a dangerous aspect of how they're trying to reframe our understanding of journalism. Uh, CJ Hopkins put out a great article, both on his Substack and off Guardian yesterday and today, called the, I think the mother of all limited hangouts. And it, it's really, even if this was true information, which I argue most of what's being shown aligns with things, one, we've already proven, two, things that I think I already agreed with before based on other research or some of the things we haven't proven. But overall, I agree with what it's being shown. But if you don't have all the information, if you don't have the full picture, you are being manipulated. And this, and this is important, especially with true information, because you don't know the context. It's so easy to lie to somebody with limited truth. And that's what they've really banked on in a very obvious way for a long time now. This is what I think a lot of these limited hangouts are in corporate media. Like, honestly, as much as I still think a lot of information comes out through this, things like Tucker Carlson or a lot of things on CNN, they drip out half information, usually true and usually rooted in something you can find. But that's where it stops. People look at the screenshots, they look at the breakdown, the text that they've been given, and they that's where they leave the investigation. That's a lot of people that go along with that. Go ahead, Whitney. Um, so I think if you remember to like 2021 and pretty much, you know, after 2020, a major theme of the World Economic Forum was how do we restore trust? So I think there's all sorts of people that have been trying to cook up different ways to get different segments right. of the population to trust certain people. Um, and I think Elon Musk is, a, you know, I've already been saying it, but is is definitely um, one of those. And when it comes to the Twitter files, like you said, it definitely appears to be very limited hangout e um, in terms of what it's revealed. And a lot of it, if you were following different outlets or certain, um, I don't know, parts of uh, independent media, you probably already knew a lot of this stuff. Like, okay, yeah, that's nice. It's been confirmed, but again, we don't have you know, source material. But one of my concerns too, is that, like I said earlier, I don't think it's just about, I think part of it is that it's a laundering of Musk's reputation as this sort of, you know, you know, savior figure role that he was, I think, prepared for uh, previously. But I also think it's about, you know, sort of laying out a, a, a I don't know, a, like legitimacy, giving legitimacy to the journalists that are engaged in it when you should definitely, people should be using a lot more critical thinking and consuming their media, regardless of who it comes from. Um, but I think, you know, someone like Barry Weiss, who, you know, is basically an Israeli government lobbyist and most people before this knew her best for her uh, appearance on Joe Rogan, where she says stuff about Tulsi Gabbard that she later can't defend and has like a really awkward meltdown, basically. Um, so now she, uh, you know, as the Twitter files come out, she launches a new website and they have a bunch of subscribers right away and, you know, are rolling the money in Substack. And, you know, some of these people are, um, you know, basically mainstream adjacent journalists and very gatekeepery. Uh, Matt Taibbi definitely falls in that category. Uh, I think the New Yorker was saying he was making like over a million dollars a year on, on Substack, which is pretty impressive, but you know, still he's, he, it, that's cushy. Yeah. And he was previously hired by Pyramidia as part of this thing that happened with the intercept for, he didn't end up not working for them. Um, 
but not because he was opposed to working with some, you know, tech intelligence linked billionaire. And he's been very vocal about how, if you believe in any quote unquote conspiracy theory, um, you're a, to use his terminology, dickwad. Um, you know, and this includes things like, uh, you know, not just 9-11, but, you know, not believing the official story about the Kennedy assassination, which, you know, has essentially more or less openly been admitted that the U.S. government had, a, you know, culpability in that, the intelligence uh, complex. No comment from him on those new uh, revelations. So I don't find uh, uh, the Twitter files to be particular, particularly convincing. And at the same time, it's sort of reduced because a lot of the Twitter files reporting, particularly Taibi, it was paywalled. You basically journalism, investigative journalism is being reduced to Twitter threads. Exactly. And being, exactly. Uh, you know, it's this very restrictive yep. microblogging word count. Uh, as someone that regularly turns out like 10,000 <laughs> word articles, um, you know, you can't put a lot of good information in a thread. There's a load of stuff you have to leave out. And if you want to try and put it all in, good luck trying to get most of your your Twitter audience uh, reading like a 60 plus tweet thread. <laughs> you know, right. I mean, it's my, my not going to happen. Turn is that people will go forward from this. And I, I, I even argue that they're probably going to, at some point, make sure we understand that what they showed was true and there is source material in order to make people trust the process. That's just a thought that I had, because ultimately, if you're engaging with screenshots <laughs> and the text as the full picture, you are going to be played going forward because you will trust this process. You're no longer asking for source. I mean, we've all seen on the internet right now, you're on social media. When you ask, hey, can you drop a link? You get attacked by 13 people. By what do you mean a link? Do your own research. And it's, it's this weird pushback. And I think it's important that we hold to that classic tenet, right? And another thought that I actually had was just, and this is just a random thought. We've seen a lot of awakening, kind of, a, you know, this awakening to a lot of different things happen, whether it's COVID, the Ukraine collapse narrative, whatever it is, people are pushing back in a lot of interesting ways. Maybe that was seen. I do think it's been long before COVID that people have been kind of coming along to this. I think the whole Trump thing was part of that as well. Maybe this art, the idea was to put someone that like, Musk in this place in Twitter to then argue because Twitter is clearly the, the the local the main spot that people are the town square whatever we want to call it. So when people start pushing back on the narratives, it becomes very clear on Twitter that people are not trusting what's happening unless they can go, oh, that's all the right. Tw Twitter's now the right. It's all been taken over by the right. Therefore, it's not actually the truth. It's just a bunch of conspiracy. So they can effectively sidestep everybody realizing what's happening on Twitter. You know, just just a, just a thought. But there's a lot of ways. I see Johnny shaking his head. What do you got? Go. <laughs> well, let's let's start to wrap up. I want to hear from Johnny because I know it's already the middle of the night for Whitney. So wow. Yeah. <laughs> uh oh. Lost just uh -oh, start Derek. making our final statement. I'll, I'll, I'll go ahead oh, and. Uh, <laughs> am I cutting out? Was I cutting out there? You're good. You're good. Now. Okay, cool. Uh, but yeah, let's just. I was just saying, let's make our final statements, and I'm gonna start real quick and see if we can convince Johnny with these final. Uh, final thoughts here. First off, Johnny, young global leaders, you got to go back to Bloomberg, March 2008 to see this. Young global leaders with Anderson Cooper, Leonardo DiCaprio. Do a quick search. Elon Musk, the chairman of Tesla Motors, the much publicized electric sports car company, is a new YGL. Not really discussed very often beyond their own interaction. Um, one other point that I'll make real quick, just my final thing here, it hasn't been brought up tonight, but he also is alleged to have said, as the screen shows. Well, he definitely did say it because it was a tweet he deleted. Right. You're, you're cutting pretty hard, Derek. Bros is cutting pretty hard, so I'm going to jump in. 
want to show us the best. You got me now? No, oh, you're still bad. <laughs> you're still absolutely terrible, Derek. I hate to tell you, I wish I had better well, things. Well, seeing as how we're towards the end, let's give Johnny YouTube a chance to. to yeah, Johnny support. YouTube. Let Johnny. Yeah. YouTube. <laughs> you know, guys, all I've heard from you tonight is facts. Facts, 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 facts. My feelings don't care about your facts, okay? And I feel Elon Musk is based and red-pilled, and he's awesome, and he's cool, and he's going to the stars, and you guys just don't want to be on the winning team. I'm out of here. Oh, good. Thank God. Here comes Corbett. <laughs> I don't know what that was about. Hey, James here. Hey, guys. Uh, yeah. Um, good job. Uh, I Give me credit. I did the best I could possibly could but yeah uh, obviously I, I i think the more actually the more interesting qu uh, conversation to have at this point would be why do people who uh, whatever normie joe joe normie who cares right but the people that we know are uh, above that and and understand a little bit about the way things really work why do they continue to fall for these characters and i've tried to address that in my work before Go back to my Hopium uh, episode. I think there's I, it's, it's equally as relevant to this conversation as it was to the Trump conversation. But why does it keep happening? And what psychological mechanism is being played on to get people to overlook all these facts because it doesn't comport with their feelings? There's, I mean, that's really what the base of this is. Because I don't know how you look at all of these connections and all of this and still say, Elon Musk is one of the good billionaires. No, it's ridiculous. So anyway, uh, I did my best, but um, there's no way to really defend Musk at this point. <clears throat> well, something that I think yeah. uh, can... Well, <clears throat> let me start that over. So I was reminded... I, w I thought of this while, while Ryan was talking. Basically, um, we know that at some point, you know, the COVID crisis has sort of come and, and gone. Um, it's very likely that in order to succeed in, you know, Agenda 2030, the SDGs and all this other stuff they have, um, going on, there's going to be some other shoe to drop. So if they're, if they're obviously publicly worried about public trust, they need controlled opposition figures for people to like. So during this period, so that when that comes, they can be herded appropriately. So, you know, we're basically having a, I would argue, I wouldn't say a generation because I don't think it's that many, but a, a very significant number of people uh, in the public eye, including in, in media, uh, that are being set up to do that. So, you know, we have all this stuff with the Twitter files going on. I already said my spiel about that. But you also have people like Jordan Peterson coming out and hanging out with like Netanyahu and then being like, yeah, we should get rid of anonymity online, which is a World Economic Forum policy and like weird stuff coming out, you know, of his mouth. And then you have uh, various people in sort of that same media sphere being like Neuralink's going to change the world all of a sudden. Um, you know, it's it's very weird. Um to me and seems somewhat coordinated you know maybe that's a conspiracy theory but i think there's a certain certainly going to be an effort to sort of hurt us in a particular direction and another thing i want to point out um some people well probably you guys know 
Uh, Jeremy Farrar is now in, in a couple of months or maybe sooner uh, going to be chief scientist of the World Health Organization. Uh, he created something uh, a year or so ago called Welcome Leap, where he teamed up with the DARPA director uh, that cr that greenlighted the funding, uh, DARPA's funding for mRNA injections. And um, having him in that position and people like Robert Califf at the FDA, there is a major setup for this next you know, pandemic or biosecurity crisis for, you know, especially if these international health regulations by the WHO get passed, uh, you're basically going to have the guy that made Welcome Leap, Farrar himself, uh, dictate what countries have to do to respond to some arbitrarily declared public health emergency. And uh, if you look at what Welcome Leap investigates and is investing in and their innovation and all of this stuff and the lady they put in charge of it, who's been trying to spend her career fi fixing the mismatch between humans and machines. It seems like there's a, a lot of coordinated stuff to get people to trust this technology from all different angles. And, you know, if there's a big set too big of a segment population, at least in their opinion, that's against all this stuff, they need people to try and herd as many of those guys back into the, the corral, the transhumanist corral or whatever. Uh, anyway, so those are the points I wanted to make at the end. I should probably uh, go to bed. <laughs> at least after Thanks, this. Thanks, Whitney. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Ryan, you're, you're, you're Ryan, muted. Ryan, you, you want to jump in? It wasn't me that time, I promise. No, I, 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 I'll jump on that in, in, uh, in general and finish for, from my perspective here. I, I think there's, there's so many angles to this. It's so obvious that this it isn't what it appears to be, at least to me. But I, I think that, you know, obviously from just the journalistic perspective, the Twitter files itself are, are retraining people how to engage with what they're being told is the, the process. And that's alarming, especially for younger generations coming into this and especially as this goes forward with whatever happens next. And I think that's and, and then we can see how everybody involved is wildly benefiting. We have stipulations they discuss. We don't get to see one of which they have to do this through the Twitter sphere and then we know that you know there's lots of filters there's the lawyers there's the people involved and everything's passing through filters this is not free speech this is not journalism that you know th this is controlled release of information like we've seen on every other part of this but all of this connects in that alarming way that we've talked about today the, the direction of the injections and and see for me the point that keeps sticking in my mind is that obviously these injections have hurt a lot of people now, there's a lot of other arguments we can get into about, you know, whether they depopulation or different things we could talk about. And they're certainly possible. But if we take that it, it just face value and it seems that it didn't work, the argument then seems to make sense that this was something that was trying to be done. That's why that's and this is just my opinion. But th this seems like as as you know, we've talked about or even as, as Jason was talking about, like not actually technically reaching the singularity, but pretending to. But we know that they want to reach that. So the point would be whether or the question should simply be what are they trying to execute with Charles Lieber's research overlapping with the injections overlapping now with the direction of Elon Musk and like what are they trying to do with all of this and and just be very skeptical about that i mean literally you don't need any of that to be concerned about these injections but i just think that how the, the bridge there between everything they're building around you right now as we've called the the technocratic panopticon it all connects in a very clear straight line if you're just willing to look past what you're being told by the corporate media so I'm glad we had this conversation. And as you all know, there's probably, you know, 14 more hours of content we could pull out of this very thing. But I'm glad we had this conversation today. Derek, can I make one go final for it, point as James Corbett? Yeah, go for it, brother. Okay. Uh, my final point for this conversation would be to say, it's interesting if you actually listen to this conversation, we are not talking about Elon Musk. We're talking about all the things that swirl around this cipher that is Elon Musk. 
I think in the exact same way, I keep going back to it because I think it's the, it's a parallel. Um, people talked about Trump as if Trump was really running the United States of America and he was in charge of everything and blah, blah, blah. And everyone focuses their energy and their attention on that cipher rather than all of the connections and things that are really uh, actually running things from behind the scenes. And I think it's obviously similar for Musk. Uh, Burmese, you brought it up before where... Yeah, like Elon Musk is tweeting at all times of day and night as he's running the company, as he's running Tesla, as he's running SpaceX, as he's running the Boring Company, as he's running Solar City. He's doing all of this, I tell ya. Of course not. He is a cipher. And we can get drawn into looking at the cipher rather than the thing that it's trying to obscure, which is all of the connections and things that we're pointing out here. And I think that's what's frustrating for Musk fanboys is that they are investing their identity in this, this person as if that person is really running anything or is really in charge of this. They are not. They are a serviceable puppet in a much bigger agenda who at very best Let's, I mean, I don't know the heart and mind of Elon Musk. Let's give him the total benefit of the doubt. He really is a good guy and he's trying to do what's best. It doesn't matter. He is being used by the military industrial complex and all of the other things that are allowing him to be in the position that he's in. And at any point at which he becomes not a serviceable part of that agenda, he can and will be thrown under the bus. That's what this is about. And I think, again, I think it goes back to the same Trump conversations that, I was sick of having for the last five years. Now we're on to the next iteration of that. Uh, wrapping it up, I couldn't agree more, James. I think that he's kind of a Bernaysian archetyped. Uh, to be fair, he just had another record, lost $135 billion in wealth. And what does that do that helps to bring the cult of Musk? Go see, I told you so. He's just like me. He's couch surfing like Cato Kalin, according to the press, months and months ago. And let's not forget... He had Justin Roiland, uh, the creator, one of the creators of Rick and Morty at Neuralink. So, like, he's got to be a good guy. He was on the show. Uh, that's exactly what they're doing. People have to realize that benevolent billionaires are few and far between if they exist at all. You got to take a look in the mirror. You got to be your own hero. Stop. Listen, you can look up to somebody. You can aspire to be something. You can set a goal for yourself. But at the end of the day, it's you and your loved ones. And that's pretty much it. So I'm just encouraging people to, um, you know, question things a little bit more, have some discernment and realize what you can do in your own life to make that life better. That's what's important. Absolutely. Am I coming through now? Am I okay now? Yep. Yeah. Okay, cool. So I think that was a great place to end it, Jason. I'll, I'll just throw this on the screen because I didn't think it showed earlier. Whitney was right. He did tweet that we will coup whoever we want, deal with it in response to people bringing up the U.S. government coup in Bolivia and mentioning the lithium batteries near there. Just want to make that clear. And uh, yeah, we don't need to keep looking for leaders. We don't need to look for Trump or the next person or the Musk or the Kanye or whoever. That's the problem is that people keep falling for these new traps. So even if nothing we said here convinced anybody and you still feel he's the best uh, entrepreneur because he slept under the desk of Tesla or something, if that's even true and not a propaganda story put out there for you. Even if you still feel that way, you can't deny all the other connections that surround this man. And ultimately, you don't need Elon Musk. You don't need any of these people. You can rule yourself. So with that, guys, thank you so much. Till next time, remember, you are powerful, you are beautiful, and you are free.